Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. All of those watching online, hi, great to be with you. I'm here preaching before a live studio audience. At least that's what it feels like. It's not quite a congregation. It's not quite only online. There are a few people in the building. And uh, I always remember as a young kid growing up watching what was my favourite sitcom back in the day, Happy Days with Fonzie and, and Richie Cunningham. I don't know if any of you remember that, but maybe in the chat, you can just let me know that I'm not the only person who remembers Happy Days. But I always remember at the beginning of the show, it says, film before a live studio audience. I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't know the value of it. But standing up here, preaching to a camera through lockdown, I've learnt the value of preaching in front of people and uh, whether it's many or few, I'm just grateful to have some people this morning. So uh, live studio audience, it's great to have you with us. I don't know if you can hear that online, but someone's running around with an applause sign. So applause. (laughs) Ah, so good. Love it. That's not true. They're just a great bunch. You're very responsive, which is just awesome. And if you can keep the response up, while I preach today, that would be much appreciated because we are continuing our series, Instafam, which I put on hold last week because of the craziness of our nation or our state, sorry, going into a hard lockdown, which only lasted three days. We're that good at lockdown. We turned a six day lockdown into three. That's how good we are here in South Australia. Uh, not quite, but anyway, but uh, it, was, it was a crazy time. And I felt to put our series on hold to bring a message that hopefully brought some joy and hope and peace to all of us here, particularly in this state, who are just living in the frustration of on again, off again realities. And I really do feel particularly for the retail industry and the hospitality industry industry, and and all the religious organisations that are out there because this lockdown is probably affecting those among many. And so our heart and thoughts and prayers are with you and I want to encourage you to not give up to not give in because uh, we will get through this. We will get through this. Amen. And we're going to let you know of what Victory Church and how we're going to operate in the next couple of weeks, what that's going to look like uh, through all of our social media uh, forums that are out there. So please stay in tune. We will email you. We will let you know when we best know. We're trying to go slow with our decisions because things are always changing. We make a decision and then the things change. And so we really are at the mercy of our government right now and the decisions that they make. So um, before we make a big full-blown decision about what Christmas is going to look like and, and what next Sunday is going to look like, we just want you to know that we will let you know as soon as we know best. And so please, please, please stay attuned to social media and stay attuned to the emails. If you get an email, don't bin it. Please, please, please read it because it's going to have all the information uh, that you'll need to know as to how we're going to do things moving forward. We did have a big pool day plan on Sunday night just to get together with our volunteers, something we've done for many, many years now. Uh, That's still a possibility. We're still waiting to hear back from them. We're just not sure. So please hang around and we will let you know as soon as we know. How does that sound? Live studio audience, how does that sound? Fantastic. Well, let me get straight into our message today. But before I do that, I'd just love to pray. Father, I thank You that You are sovereign, that You are over all, You are in all, and You're working all things together for the good. 
And I just pray that you would help me to share your word today and you give us ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. That uh, whether believer or unbeliever, I pray each and every one of us would be changed through the preaching of your word today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, we are going to continue, uh, as I've already mentioned, our series called Insta Fam. And uh, during lockdown, although it was brief, but it was good, in fact, if you're anything like me, when I finally settled that we're in a six day lockdown, I was quite disappointed when it got lifted. Was anyone else? feeling like that. So I just thought, okay, it's kind of like a six-day time with just our family. And I got right into that. And then it was taken off us. And then we're back into it again. But if you felt the pain of that, uh, you're in good company because I know I felt like that and many here felt like that. And I'm sure many online felt like that as well. But during that short, brief time that we had together, uh, because of the weather being what it was, so hot, uh, Jordan and Nat, who are recently married, uh, actually decided to come and stay with us during that six-day lockdown, which I am so grateful for. Uh, love those guys and miss them when they're not around. So it's just great to have the family there, albeit Mitch is still in New Zealand. But we had a great time. And uh, as you do, we, we did jigsaw puzzles. And, and the family are going to laugh at me because I say we do jigsaw puzzles. I basically come when there's about five pieces to go and just put the last five pieces in and say, look what we did. That's kind of my gig. Because I find jigsaw puzzles very, very Boring, but anyway, if you if you like jigsaw puzzles, that's fantastic. But I find them boring. But we did the jigsaw puzzle thing. We did the swimming thing. We but we uh, also did the chatting thing, and we got involved in a lot of great conversations, which I, I absolutely love. And and uh, as you do when you are together as a family, you start reminiscing about the good old days growing up. And, and we talked a lot about those early years and, and uh, Nat enjoyed uh, some of uh, the stories that we told. We talked about the different holidays we went on and, and uh, it was great listening to Jordan's perspective and it was great listening to BJ's perspective. And on one occasion, we had Mitch involved in the conversation via FaceTime. And, and so he was getting involved in all of those uh, conversations. And as, as I was listening to all the great holidays that we went on and I had, it brought a smile on my face, I started to realise actually there's some details that you are missing out. Yeah. There are some things that took place that you've somehow wonderfully forgotten about those particular trips because they were talking about some of the road trips that we did and, and some of the trips where we got on a plane and was on that plane for many, many hours. And can you imagine what a plane for many, many hours with young kids actually looks like as a parent? Some of the things our kids had forgotten and some of the conversations that we had to engage in, they seemed to have forgotten the fights. Yeah. They seemed to have forgotten the pinching and the punching. He pinched me, she punched me, and all those kind of things. And I had to remind them, actually, as good as those holidays were, there was, there was another side to the story. And when we did those road trips and made those invisible boundaries, you're not allowed to cross, do not cross that line. <laughs> I, I'm warning you, if I have to stop this car, if I have to stop, and we had those conversations and, and then they'd play this game trying to get as close as they can without touching. And they're just getting close and close. And he's getting closer to me. He's getting, and, and none of those things came up in the stories, uh, but they were very much part of the stories. And, and it got me thinking that the memory that we have is often different to the actual experience that we have. We have one or two moments of a trip that we snap and quite often we post and we say how wonderful everything is and was. And we, and we paint this picture of our life using our highlights, uh, which often isn't the full indicator of what took place while we were away. And uh, most of our life, if I'm honest, and maybe you can verify this, is lived in the middle. 
It's lived in between the lowlights and the highlights. Much of my life actually takes place in the middle of the highlights and the lowlights. We've got lots of highlights, we've got a few lowlights, but most of my 51 years has been lived in the middle. And the trouble with the middle is it doesn't make for good social media. So we don't post the middle. We don't post, God up, went to the toilet. You know, we just don't do that. And yet that's a big part of our lives. Lives. I guarantee most of us in this room and most watching online probably went to the bathroom sometime this morning, but we don't post that stuff because it's just, it's just pretty boring and, and, and all the rest of it. And so we post these highlights and we create a world that though has a measure of reality, it's not the full reality. And I believe life is lived in the middle of these low moments and these high moments. And, and that's the premise of this particular series. And in week one, we looked at the fact that there is no such thing as a perfect family. There's no such thing as a perfect family. And these messages are available for you to watch again and again and again and get into the hands of those who you feel that it may help and encourage. So that was week one. Week two, Kath shared happily ever after. It was a message on marriage. And again, I'd encourage you to get a hold of that. And today I want to share something that I've entitled Raising Arrows. And hopefully that will make sense in just a little while. Raising Arrows. Basically, in the short time that I have with you, I want to speak to you about practical parenting. Now, even as I say that, I, I sense people just going, ah, oh, I'll, I'll go get something to eat, I'll go get something to drink. Don't go anywhere for all of those watching online because I believe that what I've got to share today actually can help each and every one of you. I believe if nothing else, even if you're not a parent today, even if you don't ever want to be a parent, whatever the case may be, I believe that each and every one of us has an obligation to invest in the next generation. Whether it's a niece or a nephew, whether it's a child in the neighbourhood or whether it's a child here at church, we have a responsibility. So even if you're not a parent, then we have a responsibility to the next generation. And I'll never forget BJ when she was uh, very young and she went through uh, Victory Kids. And when she graduated from Victory Kids, she put herself on the roster at Victory Kids and I'll never forget the conversation she had with me. She said, Dad, just as I've been blessed through Victory Kids, I want to give something back. And so even as a young girl, she realised I've actually got something to give to the younger generation. And that thrilled my heart as a dad. And I trust and pray that each and every one of us can lean in today because we need to invest into the next generation. And if that won't do it for you, remember this, that some of the stuff and most of the stuff that makes you a good parent also makes you a good leader. So if you want to take your leadership to another level, hopefully today's message will also help you in your leadership. So if you're a boss of an organisation, this hopefully will be helpful to you as well. And this morning, I want to just quickly start with probably the biggest mistake that we make as parents. And that is that when we parent, we tend to parent through the lens of how does this make me look? I'm just going to be very vulnerable with you for a moment um, because I think every parent out there can relate to this. You know, if your kids are acting up in the restaurant, if we're honest, we don't think, okay, I, I need to teach my kids to behave themselves. Now, the first thought is, oh my gosh, this doesn't make me look like a good parent. You're embarrassing me, kids. Would that be fair to say? Is there anyone here this morning in the room who can identify with this? Maybe those online watching, you can identify with this. And, and sometimes parenting, if we're honest, is more about image management than raising children. Hence why we don't raise the children as effectively as we could because we're too busy trying to make sure we look good as parents. 
And so he posts those photos where young Johnny gets the best and fairest award. And we said, you know, um, well done, Johnny, for your great achievement. Hashtag, I'm an awesome dad. That's really what we're saying. Even if we don't hashtag, I'm an awesome dad. But instinctively, deep down, we're saying, I'm an awesome dad. Or, or, or maybe someone does really well uh, in their exams and they get straight A's or they get uh, the, the highest marks or they're the ducks of the class. And we say, my little beautiful Sarah, she was ducks of the class. <laughs> hashtag awesome parents. Yeah. Am, I, am I talking to the right people this morning? Yeah. And so I think that's probably one of the biggest mistakes we make as parents. But I want to share something I hope will help us in our parenting and uh, helping us with our children. And I want to look at Psalm 127 because Psalm 127 paints a great picture to help us understand the heart of parenting. And Psalm 127 verse 4 says this, Like arrows, there it is, arrows, in the hand of a warrior are children in one's youth. I, I like this as a thought. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children in one's youth. You see, things have changed, as you can imagine, over the years. But in Israel, the arrow was one of the most innovative military technologies that they had. It actually allowed them to attack their enemies from afar. For the first time, they didn't have to have hand-to-hand -hand combat. This was an incredible tool in the hand of a warrior. And any warrior would have understood the value of the arrow. And the psalmist uses this arrow as a metaphor for parenting. What can we learn from the arrow? Well, well, the arrow is not useful unless it's eventually sent out. You know, it's actually no good in your hand. It actually needs to be sent out. And we need to invest in our kids for the day that they are ultimately sent out. We've always lived with this thought, Kath and I as parents, that we are preparing our child for another. And we didn't want our kids to have to learn lessons, or sorry, we didn't want the, the partners of our kids, the ones they would eventually marry, to have to deal with things in their lives that we should have dealt with as parents in their early days. Arrows are not useful unless they are sent out. Arrows also have a sharp point, a sharp tip. And again, I believe it's that we can invest in our kids so that they can be sharp, that they can pierce and impact the culture, that they wouldn't be influenced by the culture, but that they would be culture carriers, kingdom culture carriers that could make a difference in their world, a difference in their workplace, a difference in their schools, universities or businesses, whatever the case may be. We want our kids sharp. Arrows also don't all look the same. Arrows come, in, uh, arrows come in all shapes and sizes. You know, we have three children, three arrows we've been given by God. And I'm so grateful for each of our arrows. We have Jordan, our oldest. She's 22. She's been married for almost a year now, which has been a crazy time uh, to be married for the first year. But it is what it is. And uh, she, she's our strongest. I mean, she, as far as raising children, she was our strongest arrow. Uh, she, she was the one who pushed the boundaries. She was the one who, who, who kind of wanted to know where that invisible line was. 
And I had the dubious task as a parent to actually show her where that invisible line was. Jordan's our Enneagram One. I don't know if any of you are into Enneagram, but you can Google that and find out what that is. But it's kind of like a personality test, just to keep it really simple. And Jordan's that high achiever. She's the improver. She makes things better. And I've seen that in her life ever since I can remember. She's that girl. She's our Enneagram number one. She's beautiful. She's amazing. And her and Nathaniel are going to have a wonderful life together and uh, their fights will be great and their, their making up will be great. Everything's going to be, everything's going to be great with those two. It'll just be awesome. And then we have Mitch, our, our middle, our one and only son. Mitchell means like God. Mitchell means like God. And uh, he's our one and only son, which makes him like Jesus. And when he was young, he was here, there and everywhere, which made him like the Holy Spirit. And so Mitch was just like it and a bit. And, and uh, he, he just lives larger than life. And he's, our, he's a classic Enneagram number seven. And he's just the life of the party. And, and that's our Mitch. And he's just wonderful. And I love him dearly. And I'm just going to be really sad this Christmas because I was really hoping to be able to see him. But it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. So we're going to try and make up for that in other ways. But, but Mitch is just uh, an absolute incredible kid, but so different to his big sister. And then there's our youngest, BJ. She came a little bit later. She came six years after Mitch. And uh, our two oldest ones are convinced that she's the favourite because she gets things that they never got. I don't know if any of you young ones can uh, attribute to that. But I have a theory about that as a parent. Because it's, 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 not, it's not false, but it's not totally true either. In actual fact, I, I think what really happened is the things that we allow BJ to get that we didn't allow our two older ones to get is simply because we're tired. Those two wore us out. That's all. <laughs> I don't know if she's our favourite. Maybe we're just more tired parents. I'm not sure. But, but BJ, although she hasn't done the Enneagram test, I, 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 think, I think she's a number four or maybe a number nine. I'm not sure. But, four, I, I, but she's kind of, she's just caring, uh, creative um, touchy-feely person and, and, and I love her dearly. I, I love seeing her draw and, and, and I love seeing her care deeply for people. And again, all our kids are different. They're so different. And arrows come in different shapes and sizes. And if all our kids were the same, that would make parenting easy. Am I, am I in good company when I say that? But they're all so different and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And it's our job as parents to know the difference and be able to speak into that. Also, arrows... Um, only stay in our hand for a short period of time. They're in our hand for a short period of time. And the time that they're in our hand determines the trajectory, the distance and the speed that our children go. So if I don't, if I, if I don't invest too much, they're just going to fall down. But we need to put a stretch on our kids that they might grow. There are some people in the building, which makes me very nervous as I... As I... And the only people more nervous than me right now are those sitting in the auditorium. But uh, it's in our hand for a short period of time. But it's an important part of time because it determines the speed and the distance in which they go. It determines the speed and distance in which they go. The time we have with them shapes the direction and it determines the speed. The Bible says it this way, train a child. Thanks, Maddie, appreciate that. (laughs) Scared the life out of me. I thought someone was shooting at me, but anyway. (laughs) 
The Bible says it this way, train a child in the way that they should go. In other words, every child has a God shape. I've already mentioned how uniquely different our children are. And it's our job as parents to recognise the leaning, is to recognise the bend, it's to recognise the God shape. It's not for us to straighten our kids out. I'm convinced that there's far too many parents that want to straighten their kids out. I'll straighten you out, son. I'll straighten you out, daughter. Now, that's not our job. Our job is not to straighten them out. Our job is to recognise their natural bend. Our job is to recognise their natural shape and help them to go in that way in which God has called them to go. So the question remains, how then do we shape these arrows? How do we shape our children? And I'm very mindful today that there are some single parents and single parenting can make parenting a lot more difficult. And I don't want to be ungracious towards you. And then I know that there's the split families and the blended families and you've got different cultures and different values and that makes it different. And I want you to know that uh, we, we, we feel for you and we are praying for you. And I'm believing that God's grace, grace will be with you to help you do your part. Also, I'm believing that uh, you need to take advantage of the local church. That's the great thing, that God sets the lonely in families, those that are struggling in families, those that need help in families. That's why he's created the community called the church, that we can get what we don't have, that we can get what we need. I'm just looking around the people in this room today, and I know there are some surrogate dads who have taken hold of kids in this church to help the single mums when their kids come to learn how to drive. And as a pastor to hear that just warms my heart, knowing that there's a, a, there's a great bigger family helping us in areas that we lack. And so again, no condemnation, but I wanna share a few things, three things very quickly this morning. And again, this is a massive subject, but let me just start with a few things. And the first one is simply this. When it comes to shaping the arrows, I would say this, start now. Start now, start now. Wherever you're at, whatever you've been through, whatever you've done, start now. You might say it's too late. It's never too late to start when it comes to our parenting. So please, no matter what your background is, no matter what your age is, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've experienced, good, bad or indifferent, don't give up. Start afresh today. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 says this, you know those whom you have learned it. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. So start now. What are some areas that we can start now in? Because I believe the sooner we can get our kids learning some lessons, and that's what Paul was saying to Timothy, these things that you learned in infancy, do not let go of them now, but bring them to the fore. So where do we start? Here's a couple of things just... Food for thought. Number one, I would say this. Teach them the benefit of obedience. Teach your kids the benefit of obedience. And this is, this, this is not culturally accepted today, but this is a tried and tested ancient truth, an ancient practice that actually will serve you well and serve your children well all the days of their life. Ephesians chapter three, uh, sorry, six verses one to three says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Paul highlights the benefits of obedience. You see, I believe that we should teach our kids obedience. Why? Because it's for their benefit. 
We don't want them to obey us because as parents, we are control freaks. That's not the purpose of obedience. It's not a power play. It's not a, I brought you into this world and I can take you out of this world. It's not that. It's not that. And, and maybe some of you are reading that and so you're nervous about this whole obedience thing. Remember this, the answer to abuse is not no use, it's correct use. And I wanna help you hopefully through the Scriptures to know what the correct use is. I've shared this story a few times before, but in our home with our kids growing up, we wanted to instill uh, kingdom values and, 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 and kingdom culture. And so we had rainbow culture in our home and, and we created these commandments that we used to put on the fridge. And there, there were a lot of thou shalt nots on the fridge. Why? Because we wanted our kids to be obedient. And to do that, we decided to put these uh, commandments on the fridge. And it was all the things that they were uh, doing at the time that we thought, actually, this is not gonna serve them well. And so when your young ones are stamping their feet, you know what? That may be cute initially, but pretty soon it becomes wearing. Yeah. And when you're still stamping your feet as you get older, and let's be honest, people don't stamp their feet when they're older, but in their, internally they, they still stamp their feet. They just, it just looks different. Yeah. And we thought, actually, that's not going to serve them well. So we, we had all these things that we would just address and as they would um, overcome those areas, then we'd put another one on the list, et cetera, et cetera. And one of those things was this. It's first time every time. Yeah. First time every time. In other words, do it right away because delayed obedience is disobedience. Yeah. And in our home, we had a rule, we don't count. We don't shout and we don't count. We don't count. Why? Because if little Johnny's hand is on the stove and you say, Johnny, get your hand off the stove. I'm gonna count to three. One, two, Little Johnny's hand is going to turn into a patty. We don't have the luxury of counting to three, let alone two and a half, two and three quarters. See, it's not about control, it's about safety. First time, every time. Another one was finish what you start. In other words, let's go all the way. We wanted them to, teach, uh, to finish what they started. In other words, we didn't want any halfway Henrys or halfway Harrys. We wanted people to finish what they started. And so at the beginning of each year, the kids would say, I want to do this. And so, okay, if you start this, you're going to finish it. We don't want you pulling out of the sports club halfway through the year. You need to finish what you start. And, and I'm a great believer that we're dealing with so many people who get to university and they pull out this and they pull out that because they haven't learned the, the value of finishing what they started. In actual fact, in Revelation, it says that the enemy accuses Christians. But I've got to be honest with you, sometimes I think the enemy's not accusing us, he's just stating the truth. When he says you don't finish anything, you're lazy, and actually, is he accusing us or is he actually telling us actually something that's true? We can actually take away the power of the enemy's accusation when we learn to finish well, finish what we start. And another one is this, to do what we do with a good attitude. In other words, do it with a, a cheerful way. And so it wasn't just about doing your jobs. It wasn't just about putting the bin out. If our kids picked up the bin and they were walking out with a bad attitude, we'd say, no, no, no. Put a smile on your face. Come on, smile, smile. And we're holding the bin. I'd like, make them smile, 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 smile. And, like, 
And eventually, if you say smile long enough, I learned if you can say smile long enough, eventually it just brings a smile to your face because the word smile makes you smile. It's just one of those words, smile, 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 smile. And then pretty soon they'll be going out with the bin, but with a smile on their face. The cheerful way. Someone said it this way, let's do it the right way. All the way, the cheerful way. I think these are great things that we can teach our kids because they have to know that there's a consequence to disobedience. And again, disobedience is not about punishing them, it's about training them. And we as parents are the first opportunity that our kids have to learn to respect and submit to authority. And when we do that, get this, we are training them the value of being obedient to God. Many people just do their own thing because they haven't learned the value of being obedient to authority figures. And so we need to teach them that. And another thing I'd say is teach them how to get self-control. Teach them how to get self-control. In Proverbs 25, verse 28, it says, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. A person who lacks self-control is open to the attacks and ultimately will be destroyed. And we need to teach our kids to get control over their emotions, to get control over their actions, to get control over their words. I've got to be honest with you, I use the word discipleship for a lot of what I do, and it is that. But a lot of the time it's just parenting. Because people have not been parented as young kids, now they're in their 30s, 40s and 50s, and they still need to have conversations that they should have had when they were much younger. And so I would simply say, address it and place it. When it comes to control, let's address it. Let's call it what it is. When you've got a bad attitude and you're out of control, call it what it is. Let's address it and then let's place it. Let's put our emotions in the place that they need to be. See, emotions are not bad. They're only bad when they're out of control. I've told the story about BJ about a year ago. She was in the plaza and she was crying. I said, what's the matter? And she was just really upset about one of her friends who'd experienced a separation between her mum and her dad. And I remember sitting down with BJ, we got a drink, we got a, a, a donut, there's that favouritism thing with the youngest one, we got a donut. And I said, sweetie, how many people do you think are crying right now about your friend? She said, oh, probably not many. I said, that tells me something about you. That tells me something beautiful about you. That tells me something precious about you. That tells me something about the way you're wired, the way God has shaped you. And I said, this is a beautiful thing that you care so deeply about your friend and her family situation. This is not normal. This is a God thing. And so I affirmed the gift. But then I realised, if I don't address and teach her to manage that gift, it's going to be the very thing that kills her. And I said to her, imagine, imagine when you were 16 years of age and I bought you a brand new car. That's a great gift. And God has given you a great gift to care for people the way you do. But if I didn't teach you how to drive that car, actually it'd be very reckless of me because that gift could then kill you. And I said, my job as a dad is not only to help you recognise what your gift is, but it's help you to manage your gift. And so every night when I pray for BJ, one of the things we pray for is that God would continue to help her with the driving. And the driving is code for getting control of her emotions. And the growth in this young girl in the last 12 months has been exponential as we've just addressed and placed this beautiful gift, but this beautiful gift will kill her as it will kill you. Whatever God's gifted you with will actually take you out unless you learn to manage it. Feelings are beautiful. Emotions are fantastic, but they must be controlled. And what I would say is start 
sooner rather than later. The older we get, the worse the consequences. It's one thing to mouth off to mum and dad, but when you start mouthing off to your boss or your teacher, it gets worse. It's one thing to uh, have no control in the area of your desires, but when you're married and, and uh, you, you don't get control in certain urges, it gets problematic. And so I would say to get on top of this sooner rather than later is wise. Are you with me this morning? Yeah. yeah. Uh, number two is this, live consistently. I'm fast running out of time, but live consistently. I said this is a big subject. Romans chapter 2, verse 21 says this, You then who teach others, do you teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? This is what I know to be true. We teach our kids what we know, but we reproduce who we are. You can say what you want, but at the end of the day, we reproduce who we are. Know this, our children are watching us. My question is, what are your kids learning about obedience to authority by the way you live your life? In other words, how do you talk about your boss? How do you talk about your pastor? How do you talk about the leader of the nation? How do you talk about leaders in general? Is it an attitude you want them to have towards you? Every time you run down a pastor, every time you run down a prime minister, every time you run down a politician, actually you're creating a rod for your own back in your home because effectively you're undermining authority in general. Not only theirs, but also yours. What about when the teacher corrects your child? All the teachers are going to love me for this. But what about when a teacher corrects your child? Do you jump to the kid's defence and minimise the teacher's authority? It's hard enough teaching as it is without parents just defending their kids because they're so precious. Can I get an amen from all the teachers in the place? I mean, really? What about our finances? Is there self-control in our finances? Because if we don't have self-control, our kids won't have self-control. Now, I want to say this categorically, we are not perfect parents. We are far from it. But we do have kids that love Jesus. And we do have kids that love serving Him. And when people ask us, what is it that we've done right? I would simply say this. We've made a lot of mistakes. But I'd say there's something we've done right is that we've tried our best to live consistently. In other words, we didn't ask our kids to do something that we weren't willing to do ourselves first. In other words, we've tried to be the same at home as we are in the pulpit. And I know particularly for pastors' kids, there was a lot of problem with pastors' kids, particularly back in the day that I grew up, because there was a discrepancy between what they saw on the stage and what they saw at home. And we've tried our best not to be those people. Come on, church, let's live consistently. And as the band come up, number three, the last point today, look for teachable moments. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse six says, these commandments that I give you today have to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you go to the beach or wherever it is that you go. I believe with all of my heart that we need to look for opportunities. When, when our kids fail, what an incredible opportunity. Instead of just getting mad, instead of just getting upset, instead of just losing your temper, instead of just telling them off, what an incredible opportunity to teach them about the grace of God. Incredible opportunity when, when they fail, when they do the wrong thing, to teach them about the love and the forgiveness of God. What about when they are wronged? Instead of us just whinging and complaining along with our kids about how unfair that is and that's not right and I'm going to sort them out, I'll go down to that school, I'll go and split. How about we teach them about forgiveness and what forgiveness looks like? And I also believe that some of the most 
Valuable moments are when we as parents fail. To do about opportunities, the next time you mess up as a parent, what an incredible opportunity to teach our kids that we don't have it all together. I've told this story for over 13 years. That day that I went to Bondi Beach, the reality is I've got a hundred other stories to tell, but the Bondi Beach was an exceptional bad day for me as a person, as a parent, as a husband. It was a bad day for me at every level. But I was just so mad with, with life in general and, and our kids copped it, my wife copped it. Long story is that we got home and I realised how silly I'd been. And I remember getting on my knees, looking my kids in the eye and said, I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? And, and I believe as I was doing that, in that moment, I was teaching them something of what the Gospel looks like. The Gospel is about asking for forgiveness. It's, it's acknowledging our sin. It's acknowledging our wrongdoing. And as bad as I felt at the moment, by the time I was able to own my sin, own my mistakes, confess my sin, the good that came from that. The times I've told this story so many times, and not just here in Adelaide, but many times I've travelled around the world and, and the incredible release it's brought to people. I thought, wow, it's amazing to me that something so bad could have such a great positive impact. Parents, we're not perfect. But I would say, let's be vulnerable when we falter, when we fail, because it's a great way to teach them what the Gospel is all about. Are you with me? Hey, wherever you're watching, why don't you just stand with me right now? I'd love to pray for you. Maybe those in this room could just stand with me right now. I just want to pray. I want to pray for the church. I want to pray for the mums and dads. I want to pray for the children. Parenting is not easy, but gee, it's so rewarding. And I trust and pray that something of what I've shared today, there'll be something in it for everyone in this place. Father, I thank you that you have a plan and a purpose. You have ways. And I just pray that you would bless and encourage and strengthen every parent in this place. That you would come alongside them to help them with their parenting. We pray for our children who are growing up in a changing world. It's changing fast. And there's a lot of confusion out there. We just pray in Jesus' name, you protect the children. We ask that in your wonderful name. Let that be. Let that be today. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 